Hi everyone, Joy here. As you guys know, I have started this show to start my, to share my entrepreneurial journey. And I thought what better way to do that than to share the entrepreneurial journey of other entrepreneurs. And in 2020, it's a little bit different. We are on a more dive into the real success habits about what makes entrepreneurs successful. And today I have Ivan. He is from Vancouver. He has his own very successful uh, ad agency or is it an ad agency am i do i have that right and 100 yep, right yeah yeah and he focuses on real estate with facebook and instagram but i'm not going to give the due to details yet we'll get into the interview hi there my name is joy nicholson i'm an entrepreneur digital marketer coach and mentor i've been diving in deep for the last year to discover what it really takes to be an entrepreneur not just the fluff that you see on the outside when you see people that are already successful but what it takes behind the scenes to become successful what I discovered was mind-blowing. Millionaires think differently. They have unique habits, focus, discipline, and so much more. Follow along in this podcast where I'll be sharing my journey, the journey of other entrepreneurs, what makes them successful, but most importantly, what can make you successful. Hi, Evan. How are you doing? Fantastic, Joy. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thank you for coming onto the show. I really appreciate your time. So tell people a little bit about your story. You know, uh, where did you start? When did you start? Just a little bit of a background. Yeah, so I got started in social media marketing primarily when I was going to broadcasting school in Canada. I went to the British Columbia Institute of Technology, mainly for a focus in uh, radio performance. So I really wanted to, I did a lot of acting when I was younger. So I, one of the things I struggled with was with my own writing and coming up with my own material. So one of the ways I was able to do that was through the radio program where you would have to write your own scripts and then you would have to be on air. Yeah. A lot of the time when you're on air, you're, there's thousands of people listening to you because we had our own radio station there that was actually like being transmitted uh, live. So yeah, we'd have usually a few thousand people listening at once. And it's so different when you're able to sit down and have your own, have your own like piece of, piece of paper where stuff that you wrote down and it's just dead silence and you have to tell a story in a minute. And you got to make sure that all the time scenarios and everything is all exact because you got to time out perfectly top of the hour, uh, halfway through the hour as well. So um, yeah, that was a lot of fun, but we also had a lot of elements of social media marketing there. So it was mainly through organic reach that we were doing. So promoting your Facebook page, Snapchat, Instagram, all that sort of stuff. And then I got hired by one of the biggest media companies in Canada called Rogers uh, to work promotions and social media for uh, one of the radio stations, but it's kind of a conglomerate of all four of the radio stations here in Vancouver. So I did that about for six, seven months. And then I realized that corporate life was not the life for me. Uh, then um, I pretty much just kind of like quit cold turkey with like no plan, no nothing. And then I was like, shit. That was what am I supposed to do? So then um, I kind of got into a lot more of the online communities, got into social media marketing, freelance work, and I didn't really have much structure to what I was doing. I was pretty much just willing to work with anyone and do anything for them. So be it content creation, um, uh, social media management work, as well as just like a bunch of like little uh, setups and email, like setting up emails, doing some website work for people, just a bunch of random stuff that really drove me nuts because yeah. it, it was literally just draining my time a lot, uh, the majority of the time. So what I ended up doing was just going away for a couple months. I went down to South America for a couple months after fulfilling all my contractual op obligations with my uh, contracting for my freelancing uh, side of my business. So then I, yeah, so I went there, rested up. I was in Ecuador and Peru for a couple months, nice. uh, rested up and just kind of like, kind of did a lot of internal thinking and really thought about, okay, I think I need to focus more 
um, instead of working in the business, I need to be, no, instead of working, yeah, no, it's working in the business instead of work, no, working on the business instead of working in the business. See, I get my words all mixed up right there. Um, so I really got in, uh, I got into uh, my mentor who's Iman Gaji and I really follow, started following his work because he was like 17, 18 years old at the time, made like a million pounds with his advertising agency. That's and I'm one of those skeptical types because I'm right now 26. So this is back when I was like 24, 25, late 2018. And I was, I'm one of those skeptical types. My personality type is ENTP, if you've ever done the Myers-Briggs test. So I'm always like the devil's advocate. I played both sides of the scenario and I always question authority. But this one kid, um, this one kid, like, I was just like so curious on how he was able to do all these processes, thought it was going to be daddy's money or mom's money or something. But as I dove into his process, I'm like, oh, shit, this kid actually knows what he's talking about. So just kind of went gung ho. And I incorporated my advertising agency uh, after getting a mentorship program with him. Uh, so I incorporated in August of 2018 and uh, with the main focus on real estate digital advertising. So I've been kind of muddling with Facebook ads since 2017. So this was like mid 2018 at this point. So yeah, that's pretty much how I got into uh, my agency life and trying to build out the structures of building a legitimate company yeah. instead of just doing freelance work. And because a lot of the time that's super stressful because you don't really control the workload and stuff. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how I got started in, uh, in starting to run my advertising agency. That is awesome. I love your story. That is so, so cool. So now, okay. So you started your agency, but when did you realize what niche you wanted to go into and what made you realize that you needed a niche in the first place? So one of the reasons why I, I'll answer the niche question first. One of the reasons why I knew I needed a niche first was because I was, during my time when I was doing a lot of freelance work, I was working with a various amounts of niches like fitness. Um, one of them was like dieting as well. Another supplement, uh, supplement company too. And it was just so many different types of niches where I would need different systems in place, like different landing pages for, because people would communicate in different languages for each niches. Um, so it was very complicated for me. It was very time consuming to study each and every single one of these um, customer behaviors or uh, audience behaviors mm -hmm. and it really drove me nuts so that's when uh, yeah. my mentor my mentor Iman he really like set in stone for me to uh, pick one sole niche like you're not also one of the important things to think about is that you're not married to your niche like you might work in it for a couple years or so three years and then you might want to move on to something else at the end of the day so I mainly chose real estate uh, as my primary niche, uh, because in Vancouver, we've had a lot of crazy real estate. Uh, it's been going on a lot in the Western world recently, but there's been a lot, like a huge uptick in real estate, uh, primarily here in um, where I live in Vancouver. So in 2015, 2016, 2017, we saw our highest growth of real estate like ever, um, where real estate now, Vancouver as a city, is the third most expensive city in North America, primarily due to the real estate and the costs of like rents and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. taxes have gone up because just to go along with like the increase in properties and stuff. So it's been very, very hectic for it. But there's been so many people that have gone into real estate, either as a realtor, as a PREC, which is a personal real estate corporation, mm -hmm. or as brokers, open up their own brokerages as well. So mm -hmm. there was almost like, an insane amount of supply of realtors and real estate professionals in that field. So in the greater Vancouver area, uh, which is called the lower mainland, um, there's around 2 million people that live in that area. And there was a, okay. over 20, there was roughly around 20,000 realtors in that area, not even including brokerages or PRECs or anything like that, just realtors. There's around 20,000. So if you do the math on that, mm -hmm. that's 
like that's very very like that's a lot of people and yeah. working in the real estate industry and i just found out recently that the real estate in industry in british columbia which is a province in canada comparable to the oil and gas uh which used to be kind of the um blood and soul of like canadian like blue collar workers in uh, alberta so there's oil and gas industry which is very prominent and it's a very high source of income for the canadian government but yeah. we just found out recently that real estate actually surpassed that um, for a physical commodity for the first time. I think it was last year in 2019, it surpassed um, an actual physical like commodity, yeah. which was like very, which was like kind of weird for real estate transactions because there was so much like house flipping going on. There's a lot of, um, there's been an investigation with like casinos of people coming from offshore, uh, offshore accounts that go into casinos, bring in loads of money into the casino, maybe spend like, they'll bring in like a million dollars into the casino, get a bunch of chips out and then spend maybe about $10,000 at the casino, then withdraw those chips, withdraw those chips and then take the cash and just purchase a real estate. So that's been going on quite a bit where wow. I live in Vancouver and I live in a, I, I just moved from Vancouver and I just live in a suburb just south uh, across the river from Vancouver called Richmond. So there's a big casino like Kafafo that's been going on there. So it really fascinated me about real estate and like how that market really fluctuates mm -hmm. and I've always been a fan of houses too. I love, um, what's that TV show, uh, House Hunters International. I love House Hunters International. I love like House Hunters. I love um, seeing the process of seeing either old developments uh, turn into brand new developments, like rundown developments turn into brand new developments or restoring old developments and turning them back into their heyday. Um, I, I was always very fascinated about it and I really like a few personalities that are in it including Brian Serhant, who's absolutely amazing, great guy on the East Coast in New York City who does, I think it's Million Dollar Listings, who has his own wow. brokerage, brokerage, and also a gentleman from Los Angeles named Graham Stephan, who has his own YouTube channel. So yeah, um, that's some of the reasons why I got into real estate. And I've always been really fascinated with growing my wealth in real estate too, which is something I want to do in the future. So yeah. what's the best way for me to do that is to make connections inside of that uh, niche yeah. and with those people. So yeah, that's kind of a short answer on how I got into the real estate uh, niche. That's awesome. I love his story. Oh, you're such a good storyteller. I'm so intrigued by this interview. <laughs> okay. So tell me, um, what has been that you feel has been your greatest accomplishment in like what you've been doing in the last few years? It can be internal. It can be physical. It can be successful. The, the greatest accomplishment that I think I had was starting to build uh, systems for my business. So previously when I was kind of doing it as a solo man show, um, I didn't necessarily have the systems in place to be able to either close out more than three or four clients at a time because I would need way too much time out of me as a one-man show to kind of do everything. And it was really driving me nuts. And I was actually like, I lost a couple of clients because I was doing, I, I wasn't doing outreach. So when I was, when I got those first few clients, I was like, oh, wow, I'm just going to do full on service delivery. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And then I ended up losing a few clients from that. Um, yeah which which was like oh why did i lose clients and why didn't i have new clients to come in and kind of replace them as like as a fully built system mm -hmm. so that's when i started bringing on members of my team um i have a few uh, facebook ad contractors i have a va uh, that kind of takes control of like emails and all that sort of fun stuff as well as i'm in the process of um, hiring a closer as well for my agency for people that end up booking meetings and stuff so i've really focused on systems over the last 18 months which is kind of like boring for for a lot of people but that's been the biggest reason why i've started to grow my agency is because i've put people in place that i know are smarter than me um, at certain aspects like i'm really good with running facebook advertising i'm very knowledgeable on facebook advertising but 
I wanted someone there that I know can do a better job than me um, so that I can help out with my clients or whatnot, or in case something happens to him, I can just kind of jump in and I can learn from them too. Cause that's one of the big things as well is that, especially when you bring in contractors right at the beginning, mm -hmm. if you're for any type of business, especially agency business, um, when you're really getting started, you always want to surround yourself with people that have either done it before or people that just like are, whoa, way top tier, uh, way top tier people. And yeah, that's, that's how I've been able as an accomplishment for my business is to create uh, systems where I don't necessarily have to be as involved anymore. All I have to do is just kind of flick a switch and then it just kind of like organically just goes around in a full circle. Because mm. it is at the end of the day, it's about the who and not the how, because if you have too many hows in your business, you're screwed. You're not going to be successful because you're just going to be all over the place. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, you know what, I also think it's a, it's a big, it's something that I would say personally, I would say at least 90% of entrepreneurs do, because when you start out, and I was very guilty of that myself, I'm just scared to hire people, because <laughs> I don't want them to screw it up in some way. <laughs> yeah, I just had a, yeah, I just had a conversation with a young guy who just kind of started his agency last month about this, where his mindset was that he wanted to find a media buyer or a Facebook ad specialist first thing so that he, he had, a, I don't know, he was very, he's very mature for his age. He's around 20 years old. And I was talking to him today and he had the mindset of, okay, I want to bring on the best person, but I want them to stay around. So I have the empathetic um, know with all to be like, Hey, I want this guy to stay around. I got to go make sales for him because it's really the employer that works for the employee and stuff, which is kind of fascinating. It's a little bit of a role reversal, but he wanted to keep his new contractor around so that no one else would take him. So how would he keep his contractor happy? The contractor need clients to work with. How can he get clients? Well, I need to get clients for him. So that's, that was his motivation to be able to actually like go out there and close out his first couple clients for his agency, which was just phenomenal to hear from a 20 year old. Um, yeah, there's a lot of young people in my industry. Like I, I'm still relatively young. Like I'm 26, but I went to a party in London that was hosted by my mentor. It was a free party uh, out in London in the UK. And there was around 100 to like 150 people there. And the age group there was 18 to 22 on average. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> I, felt, I felt super old just kind of being there. So yeah, yeah. It seemed like a lot of these young hustlers and like all these kids that are learning either through YouTube or they just are super curious themselves. They have all this information available to them. And yeah, there, there are a bunch of young hustlers out there mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, just kind of seeing it through an empathetic role and just seeing it, how you're serving your contractor at the end of the day as well. Mm -hmm. It's a two part relationship. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's where, that's where the mindset comes in where a lot of people like they're scared to hire someone. Um, but you just kind of be like, Hey, I want to help this person out. Exactly. At the end of the day. And if you treat your staff well, they'll treat you good. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. But yeah, talking about the young hustlers, I think there's a lot more people leaving school wanting to start their own business than there was 10 years ago. Because 10 years ago, it was a standard. You go, you leave school, you go and study, you become a lawyer, and then you hate it and you work a job. But these days, it's just every other person just wants to go and do their own thing, which is awesome. It's amazing. I love it. It's a great world. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it as well because yeah. the current traditional school structure um, is pretty broken. Yeah. Um, I know I learned that from when I went to school. So I pretty much paid to go to school to get funneled to get a pretty well a, a minimum wage job for a corporation or work for free for a corporation for an internship. So it all just funnels into the corporations that kind of run 
uh, kind of run like the mainstream side. So yeah, it's been, yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that you have to kind of come to your own conclusion. I'm not saying that every single topic, like you should drop out of school or traditional school system. Like we still need engineers, still need doctors, still need lawyers, still need like biologists. You still need researchers. You still need all of that, that I think that there is a great form and a great way to be able to um, exemplify and learn from the traditional education system but there's so many other parts to it that are just very archaic. The people that were teaching my program weren't in the industry for like over 10 years. Like social media wasn't even a thing for them when we were learning it and they were teaching us it in 2015, 2016. Like you guys like have no idea what, what's actually going on here. Like you guys haven't been in the industry for over 10 years. Yeah. So whenever they try to like mention anything or talk about it, it's like, well, this is just redundant information. Not to say that they're bad teachers or anything like that. They're just put in that position um, just to kind of like remain complacent and push people through so that they can kind of be fed into corporate wage slavery, which is what I like to call it. And if you think about it, the education system started like way back when, when our parents was like grandparents and grandparents and grandparents. It's a different world. So, you yeah. know, uh, what I appreciate is like my little boy, he's six years old and um, they have entrepreneurial days at school where, you know, they teach about those things or, you know, they have the opportunity to make their own money and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. We never had that. You know, yeah. I, I started, I remember when I was about 12, um, not even probably 10, no, even younger, I don't even remember. But uh, I used to get my mom to help me to, to use like big packs of chips and lollies and make small packets and sell it at the, at the school. And then I got into trouble at school because I was making more money than the tuck shop. So they shut me down. Well, that's what happens when you become too strong as like a single, like small, small time person. <laughs> Some, someone else is going to try to shut you down. But you would think yeah. that they would encourage people have kids to do that, you know, but at least these days they do, which back then they didn't. I'm, I'm a lot older than you. So I feel, I feel old. <laughs> Okay, so we've talked about your accomplishment. What was the biggest struggle that you had? Biggest struggle that I had either as an individual or as my company? Well, if you go and search deep within yourself, what is the biggest thing that you struggled with as an individual within your, and not necessarily a business thing, but like a, a personal thing? What was that struggle that you had, that internal struggle? For me, it was always kind of understanding people, especially on sales calls was understanding their emotional aspect and framing things in an emotional way because I'm a very analytical person, personality type ENTP. So I view things very, very analytically. So if someone makes sense with numbers and stuff, I don't really buy many things out of emotion. Um, but I know that like 95 to 99% of all purchases are all based on emotion. So that's something that took me a very, very long time to kind of get a grasp of and to understand. Okay. Um, like I might, yeah. So for, for example, like I would come out with like all these numbers and like, it would make sense. Like I have a lead generation calculator that I use on my calls just to go over the numbers with people. But if I don't tie it in emotionally and put those numbers because people past like the number 100 don't really understand numbers past it. That's why the lottery is like able to still exist to this day and people still spend money on it because it, the odds of you winning, I think I read the lottery here in Canada, the odds of winning is like one in 74 million when there's only like 36 million people in the country. So even if every single person bought a lottery ticket, two lottery tickets, there's still like would be a chance that like the ticket wouldn't even get pulled. And that's if everyone had a different number too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's one of those things like numbers don't really like resonate with people as much. So, but people like stories, people like to, 
tie in like, hey, maybe you want like more time freedom. Like how much like more time freedom would it get, would you, would you get if you were able to just kind of have five, five leads just come in the door and call you up like, like within the next like week or so? Um, how, like, how would that be able to free up your time where you're able to get maybe one transaction out of those five leads that just come automatically to you in the next month? So you kind of have to frame it a little bit different and get to know your prospects a lot, lot better. Because yeah. a lot of people are very cold and they don't really tie in emotion and they don't really tie in empathy as well. Uh, mm -hmm. when dealing with either prospects or clients. Mm -hmm. So that was a big thing for me to kind of overcome for myself and to view things into other people's perspective instead of my own and view things from a more emotional side instead of the more analytical side. Okay. I can see, I'm, I've got a bit of a sales background, so I can understand exactly where, you know, that can be a struggle because, um, yeah, like I said, it's an emotional thing. And if you push the right buttons, you can almost become borderline unethical. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. So, okay, let me ask you a bit of a, a in, well, a question related to how you would um, get your clients. So what is your number one method of getting clients? Do you do cold call selling? Do you do funnels? What is your method? So right now, what I currently have with my VA, so my VA will scrap emails uh, either from specific cities. So we would target specific cities and try to get maybe 100 to 250 different emails uh, from mm -hmm. specific cities. So how we would get those emails is just kind of looking them up on Google and where they rank on Google, uh, be it in their specific city. So say, for example, I would look up uh, real estate in Christchurch. And the top, say, 50 to 100 real estate professionals based on their SEO are people that we would target. And how I would target people is just based on, there's two different ways on how I would target, target people. It's either one, they haven't done advertising before, or two, they have done advertising before. So the people that haven't done advertising before, they, have a, they need a little bit more warming up because there's two limiting beliefs there. The first one is that they just don't believe advertising, like, works or whatever because they haven't done it before mm -hmm. and number two is that you're the person to do it while someone that has done advertising before they've already paid money into it so they might have already seen some sort of results the only limiting belief that you have to kind of overcome is that you're the trustworthy source to be able to uh, supply the amount of lead generation and, and to supply the systems in place where it's mostly just like automized where leads just end up going to their phone so either as a text or as an email so how I'm able to lead sources either through that way through my VA and yeah. a lot of the time when I scrap those emails, I will the first and he will, my VA will get their uh, LinkedIn profiles, Instagram profiles, Facebook profiles, and I will send them a message on every single one of those platforms, either five or six, when I think that they're most qualified. So mm -hmm. how I think that they're most qualified is when I go onto their website and they have this thing called the Facebook pixel installed on their website. Uh, through their business manager. And so if your audience doesn't know, you can get a Chrome extension uh, called Facebook Pixel Helper that will light up uh, mm -hmm. when you're getting targeted through data on Facebook so that you know when you get served up retargeting ads that it's from that source. So it's actually, I recommend it for people that aren't even in the industry so that you know which websites mm -hmm. are you're going to be targeted to so that you know, oh, here come the ads. The ads are going to be coming in pretty soon. So mm -hmm. yeah, so I... Um, I qualify through that process. And then I have a look at some of their social media content. So if they do blogs, excellent. If they have an ebook, which is excellent. Uh, if they do videos on YouTube, excellent. I try to find people that have made a lot of content before because we're not a content agency. We're just a Facebook, like we're just do advertising. So Facebook ads or Instagram ads. So the, yeah. our clients have to supply us with proper content that I know we'll be able to, um, we'll be able to, um, 
use in different various campaigns, so either in lead generation, top of mind branding, or if they're doing a huge cold campaign uh, as well, just to extract emails. So mm -hmm. those are the big three that I use with my advertising and uh, how we use and how we kind of like stay at the forefront of uh, real estate and how we're able to do proper lead generation for our clients. And yeah, so that's kind of the system that we, we go in. So I just reach out to them on various different social media. So I try to hit, hit them up on like three to five different social medias. So mm -hmm. I'll send a voice message on Facebook. I'll do a written letter on LinkedIn. I'll also do a written letter on email. And then on Instagram, I'll do a video DM. So I'll do like a quick like video DM and just be like, hey, I'm this person or whatever. Like I sent you this, this, and this on those five. Just putting the face in the name. Uh, I would love to send you out a Loom video. If you don't know what a Loom video is, it's like, it's a screen recorder that will get translated into a link right away. So that all you have to do is copy and paste it. I used to just do it all through uh, my screen recorder called OBS Studio. I used to just record everything onto there and then upload it onto YouTube. Uh, that sometimes would take 45 minutes to an hour and a half per video and that whole process while loom all I have to do is just go into my chrome chrome mm -hmm. extensions and mm -hmm. hit the loom button screen recorder and it will start recording right away and the link will pop up right away as soon as you're finished recording so all you have to do is just copy and paste that link put it into whatever social media platform that they respond to so mm -hmm. that they can take a look at the 10, 5 to 15 minute loom videos so that you kind of go over the process of like oh like maybe like give some value off first and then if they're more curious to learn more you can do a call to action inside of that loom video five to ten five to ten minute loom video where mm -hmm. you just say yeah no here's my scheduling link so you put your calendar down there and they can set up a time uh, if they're curious to learn more on how um, either myself or one of my ad specialists can help them out that is awesome i love your business module um i can definitely see why it's working for you and your clients because it's it's very fine-tuned <laughs> fucking yeah up. yeah it took a long time like yeah. i've been doing I, i've been doing like ads since like 2017 and it took a very very long time all of last year is when i really started to create systems so 2019 mm -hmm. is when i really started to like narrow down create systems i would have like hermit days where i'll just be on my computer for a solid like two or three weeks my girlfriend would call me and just be like are you still like working like is this okay to call because she knows that like i'm just going down and deep focusing and creating systems creating yeah. funnels um, all this, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but, I, but for right now, I don't work as much as what I did last year, even though I'm making more money now, which is kind of weird, uh, because like I put in all the effort in that beginning stage so that I created those systems yes. where I now like, it's pretty much like an autopilot system or all I have to do is just do a couple of different forms of outreach. And that's pretty much it. Like I'll just systemize my day where I'm just going to do Instagram outreach for this time, Instagram videos. I'm just going to do loom videos for another hour. Then that's kind of it. YouTube videos here. I just kind of sing, uh, my day where I get a full week's worth of either content or a full week's worth of outreach done only within like a couple hours. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much, that's why I said like that was the biggest thing and biggest accomplishment was creating systems for for yeah. my business but this is the, this is the secret source for me because as soon as you've got your system set up you would eventually work less you work your bum off for like a year or whatever and then once everything is set up it's on evergreen you know it, you, it just it just it's so much easier 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the evergreen, the evergreen system is 100% very useful. And that's what I use for onboarding for my clients because it's very clean, it's very crisp, where mm-hmm. all I have to do is just kind of like send them over and onboarding either on a call or even before the call. Like sometimes I've had people sign up on contracts before the call even started just based on me sending out my onboarding funnel, where it's just kind of an introduction to like who I am and what the business is all about. And then it just kind of falls through with what they can expect for the 90 day paid traffic profit program, which is what but uh, I currently run as a minimum 90 day uh, service and it takes them through a 30 minute video of just pretty much explaining the whole process of it. Mm-hmm. So during that time, like I'm almost kind of like selling myself to the prospect before yeah. like I even talk to them face to face. So they're already kind of in there and they're seeing like, Oh, how this works. And um, yeah, then they can go through and see contracts. They can go in. Yeah. It pretty much kind of has everything there inside of that one funnel where mm-hmm. after someone, uh, pays through Stripe is Stripe is what I recommend for most people if they're doing high end mm-hmm. services. Um, sometimes people use PayPal, but like I've heard so many horror stories with PayPal that I kind of stay away from it. So yeah, Stripe is what I mainly use. And uh, yeah, so after like payment is collected, I usually send the onboarding, but sometimes I'll just send it off before if someone is really, really curious about like the 90 days. I'm like, and I don't want to spend 30 minutes to 45 minutes on the call, just kind of going over the whole process. They can have a look at it whenever they want on their free time. Yeah. And do you still offer this as a service? Yeah. Yeah. That's my main service is the 90 day traffic profit program. Cool. So what we'll do is we'll pop links on the bottom um, of this video and then people can reach out to you on that. Beautiful. Love it. So execution, we've talked about that because that was one of my questions that I had, but I think we pretty much covered that now as well. Um, Okay, so here's a bit of a tricky question for you. If what would you say to the to the younger you? If you go and you say, okay, the 18 year old you or the 20 year old, I know you're still a spring chicken in some ways, but what would you say to yourself? To the 18 year old me. Yeah, what advice would you give? That's the biggest question. Oh man, don't go to school. That would be the first thing. Don't don't follow your peers and go to school just to go party. Um, that would be the first thing. Uh, because like. I don't know. There was a, I wasted a lot of time going to school um, because I went to school without like a plan or, or anything like I, it was all for very short term. Uh, I wasn't thinking very long term, but it's so hard to think long term when you're like 18, 19 years old. That's really, really the hardest. Like it really separates. Like I can tell people that have gone through a lot in their life, um, including my mentor, um, who've gone through a lot in their life. Um, in a short amount of time, just the way that they look at life at a really young age, 18 to 22, and how they have a lot of long-term thinking, because they've already gone through so much like short-term pain, where it's like, okay, I survived this, I can almost like survive anything at the end of the day. So I had a really awesome upbringing. Um, I was very privileged, like growing up, um, my mom stayed, stayed home, she quit her job to stay home for 13 years, but I was a police officer as well. So I had a very structured life. I'm also an only child, so incredibly spoiled too. Um, so I had to kind of like look at that and I don't want to say that that was a hindrance to me because I was just given like almost every opportunity possible, but people need to go through that struggle a little bit so that they can understand like, Oh, okay. I need to go to the, this next level. Like, Oh, okay. This batted me down. It's like the hero's journey where you need to go into the abyss in order to rise up even further. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's one of the things that I actually needed to go through when I was 18 was to just kind of like struggle and kind of see like, because I had no idea what the fuck I wanted to do. Sorry if I swore. Um, no idea what I wanted to do until it was around maybe 24, 25. Um, even when I was like 24, 25, it was still like, oh, I'm, am I sure that I want to do this? I, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And 
especially when I was 18, 19. And I think the advice I would give back to me at that point was to not go to school and just start traveling right away. Because that's where I got a lot of my ideas for business, for structure, and meeting a bunch of awesome connections uh, was all through there. And I wish, also wish that I would have started on social media a lot quicker, uh, especially my YouTube channel, which was fully monetized for a few years until I started getting back into it. And then one month later, that's when YouTube changed the rules in January 2018. I need a thousand subs and I think it's 4,000 hours watched. So by that point, I had a I had a video that went mini viral in Canada. It was just about like some dad who wanted to come and fight me and my friend who were refereeing his ice hockey, his son's ice hockey game, 20 year old, who wanted to come onto the ice and fight me um, off of a call and some parent like recorded it and sent it to me as like evidence or whatever. But I uploaded that and I think it has like 140,000 views or something like that and, and wow. mostly in Canada. But my, I was lucky enough to have that monetized on my channel. And I really should have taken more advantage of that right in the beginning um, and maybe not have gone to school um, for broadcasting, even though I learned, I went, I don't know if I would be here like throughout the process and like learned mm -hmm. that a job wasn't for me and just working in a corporation just wasn't for me if I hadn't gone through that experience. So it's really tough to say what I would say to my 18 year old self, but it would most likely be don't go to school and just start traveling, go see the world first. Um, especially while you're young and you still have all your limbs, your family's health is still there too. And you don't really have much responsibility to go back on. So I would have told myself to start traveling earlier on, but I really started traveling when I was like 21, 22 is when I really started to go into it. Like I mentioned before, I was in New Zealand in 2014. So mm -hmm. I must've been, how old was I? 21 and around that time, 2021. Yeah. Or so when I was in New Zealand as well. So, yeah. I, I also, cause traveling is a big thing. I did um, when I told you I'm originally from South Africa. So I traveled my first time when I was 20, 21, um, and I did America. Um, and then I didn't travel for a long time. But it is, it's, it's true. If you travel, you learn a lot. And that's what I say to my nieces and my nephews as well. Just travel. You know, just get out there, get experience, get out of the small little towns and just, you know, go and experience life. Because that's exactly, I love the advice that you give there because that is exactly what you should be doing. Is go and experience. We have a beautiful world. Go and enjoy this beautiful world, you know. Don't just get stuck in a corner. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And it's so easy to be able to travel, especially like, cause the biggest upfront cost is the plane ticket, no matter where you go, but you can literally just travel for free. You could just go work in a hostel for free, go volunteer, you get free housing. And then like a lot of these hostels, they have kitchens as well. So you can get free food too. Like some, sometimes these places even like pay or whatever, then you meet connections that are inside of that hostel. Maybe they're going somewhere else that you really want to go to. So then you just go there, then you volunteer somewhere there. There's just so many opportunities when you have an open mind. And you just kind of like gung ho and just go and force yourself to almost like force yourself to travel and experience new things because that's not something they teach us in school to be able to do it. They literally just teach us to like go to school so that you can just go get a job. They don't teach you like, hey, maybe like experiences might be a lot more beneficial to either yourself as an individual or as society in general when you start solving problems and create a company around solving those issues for other people because you've been able to see so many different cultures, so many different backgrounds, learn so many different languages, new food and different lifestyles and stuff mm -hmm. so that you can kind of blend a lot of those lot of the strengths of those things that you went and saw um, either into a company or yourself as an individual. Yeah, no, exactly. I've actually, um, we have, because uh, I've got two small kids. I've got a three-year-old and I've got a six-year-old. And we we're saying as soon as the three-year-old is about five or six, we're just going to pull them out of school and we're just going to travel as a family for a year. Um, 
and our bitch that learn more in that year life experiences that they will learn you know we're not just going to stop that we're going to carry on doing it but this is the thing how me and my husband thinks because this is this is how life should be you know you shouldn't be stuck in one country one you know <laughs> absolutely not no i completely agree with that and that's awesome for you as a parent both both you and your husband like to go yeah. out there and give those experiences to your kids because that is literally something that they're not ever going to forget no matter how old they are um, because it's always going to be a conversation piece about specific places where they go because the world's getting more and more globalized where people are moving around jet setting all over the place so if you've been to somewhere like super cool and someone else has also been to like more than five countries you can get a connection with them right exactly. away yeah exactly that is so so true no that's that, that's very true okay so second to last question um if you have any advice for somebody that is starting out but i'm not exactly sure what to do what would your advice be to them the best thing would probably be to either A, get a mentor, or B, start diving into three different types of either personal brands or people that you really resonate with who have either built really good companies or are doing something that you're really interested in, maybe not in a corporate sense or a business sense, but maybe in an activism sense or a lifestyle sense. Follow three people throughout their journey and not necessarily emulate them, but see their process, not just the end point where you see all the success and all that, all that sort of mumbo jumble, but, but really get a connection with them to learn about the trials and tribulations that they went through in the beginning. Um, so that you can dive into their stories. It's like my YouTube channel, for example, I have videos that I go back to maybe like two and a half, three years ago when I wasn't even running my agency at the time, but I was doing a podcast project, but I keep those videos up so that it showcases the journey that I went on because I get messages now like daily from people that uh, will find my channel, but then they'll be like, Evan, well, like, what's this like random like podcast thing that you have on or these random videos that you have on in the past? I'm like, well, that's just part of the journey. Like you're like, you just kind of have to showcase it a little bit. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is finding a mentor or someone that's kind of been there before and has done it before because a lot of people, they struggle with trying to find what they really want to do and they try to get a bunch of free advice. But at the end of the day, when I was doing sports or any sort of extracurricular activities, there's always a coach there and they're always paid to be there. Um, and those were always like the most like beneficial people that I can use and I can go to and stuff because they were an authority figure and you almost kind of need that balance of an authority figure. And that's one of the way, like either exchange of money or an exchange of time doesn't really matter. Um, maybe give yourself a, like, as like a value, like maybe volunteer some time with them, help them out, maybe like do a VA work, do some like, I don't want to say bitch work, but like do some like work that like would leave their pain a little bit so that they know that you have their best interests in heart. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, get, get a mentor is my number one thing in whatever field that you want to get into, be it, um, social media marketing, uh, e-commerce podcasting, you can find a mentor in pretty much almost anything that is at least six months to a year or maybe five years ahead because people love to mentor other people, especially those that have the right mindset and are willing to share that information with you. Because I always find that that was the most beneficial part of a mentorship is someone that like trusts you to be able to like showcase like my mentor Iman, he showcased his like whole Facebook ads 
um, inside of his business manager, he showcased like all of his, all of his campaigns. And I was like, holy crap, this guy just like trusts us to like have a look at it inside of his like campaigns and stuff. And that, that's when I thought that that was really, really cool and really, really humble because there's a lot of people in our industries that are very secretive and they don't want to share a lot of information because they want to make a thousand dollars from a course. Exactly. But, but at the end of the day, like some, sometimes like it's worth it to pay, pay that amount. Or sometimes it's worth it just to like, uh, maybe I should like learn something from someone else and just kind of like not conform because people are spending like 15,000 all the way up to like $50,000 a year to go to school, especially in the States, um, mm -hmm. just for like a semester or two semesters or something like that, which is just astronomical when they can find someone who uh, has made multi millions of dollars in advertising or another industry, um, whatever industry that they want to go into, they can find those people and literally get the best advice ever from them uh, over a month or whatever and pay like a couple grand. I would much rather have that from someone who's actually like in the trenches, in the war field, doing that every single day, getting exactly. their advice than someone that's like maybe not have been in the industry or whatever for 15, 20 years that might or only be there to get a pension at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, that would be my advice for anyone that wants to get started is to find a mentor or find three different people and just dive into all of their content mm -hmm. uh, so that you kind of know if that's the industry you want to go into. Um, but don't focus on too many other people to like people like go crazy and try to like follow like all these different entrepreneurs and hype gurus and stuff. But the main thing is to find like either one person or three people at most and see how they deliver their content and see how they interact with their audience and how they interact with their business and what their primary goals are. And just go back in time, see how they went through life and uh, see, see their trials and tribulations. And uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing is to figure out what problems that they had and try not to do not try not to go into the issues and problems that they had and try to avoid them. That's also the biggest lessons too, is to avoid the same problems that they did by getting a mentor. And that's one of the ways to like avoid a lot of problems and tribulation and wasting time is to get a mentor at the end of the day. It's so true. And um, I was exactly that because when I started my game, I had a mentor, but it didn't work out long story short. But, uh, and what I've realized is like now, and then basically then thereafter for the first eight months, um, I did exactly that. I was just following people, but I wasn't, I was more about the journey and figuring out what I really wanted to do, you know? And once I figured that out, I was like, okay, I'm following this person. I'm following this person. I'm following this. And that's all I did. Um, and that's what I've been on for like the last year, just very picky on who you should follow because too much information is very overwhelming as well. And it's confusing. That's the other side. Yeah, yeah, because that's literally what social media is designed for. So whenever I see people make comments um, about people that sell online programs and say like, oh, you could just find this stuff on YouTube. Well, YouTube spends millions of dollars. Google spends millions of dollars every single year on addiction specialists to ensure that you stay on the platform and get that dopamine rush instead of actually going out and pulling the trigger and taking massive action. So like you're combating against a machine which is funded by millions, if not maybe a billion dollars of people just to keep your eyeballs on the platform and not let you take action. Some people can go through that, but that's, I believe that's like a 1% yeah. of people that can kind of do that. People get lost on YouTube a lot of times. So just the people that say like, oh, just go on YouTube and look up like free advice. I'm like, that's a slippery slope, my man. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do, you get lost in the content. That's the thing. Okay, so. And um, this podcast is obviously called Unleash Your Focus because this is about, you know, what is your 
I would say your DMR, you know, your daily method of operation. So what would you do from whenever you wake up, whatever time that is, so when you go to sleep? So what is going to be your DMR for the day? And is there certain um, areas of the day that you would focus on more than other days? And, you know, that also involves discipline and goal setting and all of that. Yeah. So my Monday to Friday is very, very simple. So I usually get up at around like either 6.30 or 7. Mm -hmm. And some people like to work out first thing in the morning, but I found that like, I, I live in Canada. So sometimes like it's pretty chilly outside for about like 10 months out of the year, first thing in the morning. <laughs> so it's like kind of hard to go outside. Um, but what I do is I get up around 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, I'd either like shower or uh, make a smoothie first thing. And then I'm a little bit different. Like people, like you could do this or not have to do this, like do whatever. Um, some, sometimes like it depends on the day. Sometimes I'll actually like consume cannabis first thing in the morning where it would get me in a, in, in like, um, not necessarily a weird mindset, but it would clear my head a little bit. And then I'd go into meditation for around 15 to 25 minutes or so. So that I would begin the day already, like nothing's on my head, nothing's there. And just in dead silence for 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and then I'll end up uh, drinking my smoothie after I go through my meditation or I'll do intermittent fasting until around noon, one o'clock. Mm -hmm. Sometimes like I switch it up every so often. Sometimes it's very good to switch it up uh, mm -hmm. for your body just to keep it on its toes so that you're not too stagnated. Uh, mm -hmm. And then after I'm done with meditation, all that sort of stuff, uh, first thing in the morning, I would act, uh, I would begin work at around nine o'clock to nine 30. And then I would do one hour work blocks uh, and then a 15 minute break. And then, so I would do four one hour work work blocks with 15 minutes in between. So that would take me until around one o'clock in the afternoon. So what I would usually do around that time is like film out content uh, for outreach. I would check in on campaigns. I would check in with like my staff and my team uh, just to kind of go over any like hiccups or problems uh, within our clients. I would also answer questions from our clients through Slack or WhatsApp, mm -hmm. uh, which is the two channels that we use for communication. And then uh, after that's all done at around 12 31 o'clock is when I'll have lunch and then I'll go out and bike uh, like cycle to the beach uh, which is around like a 30 minute to 45 minute bike ride away or so yeah. um, so it'd be around like 25 to 30 kilometers to and back from from my place uh, from my place and um, during that time that's allowed me to do my exercise that also clears out your thoughts a little bit and then when I come back um, I'm actually able to go through either prospecting calls or um, if my clients wanted to book a call or something like that, do, do it in that afternoon. Or I have a call with my students, which is, which is around 1 p.m. or so every Wednesday, 1 to 2 o'clock every single Wednesday. So I usually will bike after that only for my Wednesday. So yeah, that's pretty much like how I structure my day. And I'll only work until around 5 o'clock or so. Because then my girlfriend comes back from work and then she gets my focus. Because <laughs> you got to have like that retrospective balance. And then, yeah, she gets my focus. And then we end up making dinner or like making breakfast or making lunch for like the next day. And then after that, I'll end up reading for around like, this is going to be an hour before I go to bed or whatnot. I would turn off all electronics mm -hmm. so that I won't get any blue light or anything like that. I really want to get one of those light light things where the light will change color and reflect mm. when the sun's going down those yeah those like samsung lights things which are yeah, really I've really heard cool. about those. Mm. yeah yeah those are really really awesome and my mentor actually showed showed this to me so like during the day it would have a blue light so it would mimic like the sky which is very cool and then at night it would like go to a, like a huey red where like it 
like uh, I think it like lowers your dopamine or something so that it gets you into a restful state. And uh, yeah, so I would read about an hour before I want to go to bed just to kind of like rest and chill out. And then uh, a lot of the time after I'm done reading, I'll write in my journal uh, if I haven't done it the previous couple of days on what tasks I need to get done for the either the following day or the following two days. Because so, sometimes I get lazy and I don't want to write every single night where I'll just end up doing uh, two days worth of um, to-do lists in one night instead. So yeah, that's pretty much kind of how I structure my day. And then I do a loop around like that. Um, my weekends, my weekends, my Saturdays, a lot of like outreach, especially physical calling, because that's when a lot of uh, real estate professionals, they go out and do open houses. Sometimes I'll actually physically go out and do open houses. I don't take meetings um, in person really either. I do everything through Zoom because I like to record my calls and stuff, uh, either for practice for yourself or to give to the client or prospect or whatever, and they can use it for whatever they want. Um, so I really like to go out and hang out with friends, especially because you need to unwind too. Uh, friends that aren't in business, friends that like have no interest in what I'm doing because it's just like, it's just so calming for me and they give me energy so that I have enough energy for like to go on for another week mm -hmm. and stuff. So yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's kind of how I've routinely done my week. So I usually might go out either Friday, Saturday night or whatnot. Uh, and then Sunday's usually the girlfriend's day. So that she gets, uh, she gets my full attention for the day. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so happy that you make space for her because it, it's so important to build your families and your friends around you. You know, they, because if you don't have that happiness in your life, you're not probably going to be as successful, right? No. And then, yeah. And the more successful you get, like I've just read horror stories of people taking advantage of other people. And as soon as like they get a whiff that you're a little bit successful, then people just end up being leeches and stuff. And I don't like really like gloating or anything like that about like how much mm -hmm. I actually like making stuff. So um, yeah, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about my friends and my, my close connections is that through this process, I've been able to eliminate a lot of baggage, a lot of energy drainers as well, <clears throat> um, which is something I do also recommend. Like not all of your friends all have your best interests in heart or some, not all of your friends like end up giving you energy at the end of the day. And sometimes you got to cut baggage out. And so I've really cut down on my, uh, friends, my, my social circle by quite, by quite a bit. Um, over the last 18 to two years, 18 months to two years. Um, so yeah, that's another thing I recommend, like only be around if you're going out with like friends and stuff like that, be around energy givers. Cause exactly. it's really interesting. Cause yeah, I did the Myers-Briggs test with like a few of my friends and my three closest friends are all the campaigner, which is like the, one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen is my three friends. They're all the same personality type and, and all three of them are the ones that boost me up of my personality type just by coincidence. It's very, very funny. And it's like, was very weird for me to find that out because I didn't understand, like they kept giving me energy and stuff like that. And when I really started focusing on my business and really staying segregated, mm -hmm. I felt exhausted and tired, but whenever like, and I would try not to hang out with them because mm -hmm. I would think it's a waste of time getting bad advice from people saying, oh, you got to cut your friends out and work on your business or whatever. But that's just terrible advice at the end yes, of the day. That is so yeah, awesome. yeah, these guys were just giving me energy and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, surround yourself with really awesome people too. And uh, yeah, that'll take you to the next level. But yeah, that's pretty much like how I kind of structure out my week and all that, all that sort of stuff. I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, Evan. We had a really awesome interview, almost an hour. Wow, that's impressive. I love it. That's great. And um, we'll probably stay in touch. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely drop all the links uh, on the bottom um, of this yep. interview, all your links so yep. people can reach out to you.
Yeah, awesome, sweet. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram. I'm very active on there. My Instagram is at the Gilby Gilb, so G I L B Y G I L B Z. Um, mm -hmm. I'm very active on there. You can check me out on LinkedIn. Just do Evan Gilbert Blocky Media, which is what my company name is, or you can go to www.blockymedia.com. Um, very active on there. Very responsive to emails. Also, my YouTube channel too, which is just Evan Gilbert. Um, I respond to all comments, anyone that makes some of my videos and stuff. So yeah, thank you, Joy. It was a very, like I mentioned, it's a pleasure to be on here and to get to know yourself too. Thank you. And have a good evening. You too. <laughs> Bye.